If you are visiting with us here at Greensburg Baptist Church today, we want to say welcome to you and thank you for being with us. Thank you for coming to God's house to worship Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords with us here at Greensburg Baptist Church this morning. This morning, we are going to be in the book of 2 John. If you were here last Sunday, you'll probably remember that we concluded the sermon series in the book of 1 John last Sunday morning. It was a series that spanned over nine separate sermons. And then we get to the book of 2 John. And it is 13 short verses. But with that said, let me tell you this morning, they are 13 very powerful verses. And we're going to be looking at all 13 of those verses this morning. And while you are finding your way to the book of 2 John, I want to remind you that John wrote this book in the same time frame generally as he did the book of 1 John, AD 70 to AD 95. And you'll probably remember from the sermon series in the book of 1 John that there was indeed a common theme that we saw appear over and over throughout that book. And it was this, God is light and God is love and believers show their love for God by actually loving each other. So as we make our way to the book of 2 John, it should not be a surprise to us that John is still talking about love. And although we are only dealing with 13 verses in this entire book, there is a theme that we see throughout these 13 verses, and it's this, love one another and remain in truth. Love one another and remain in truth. And before we read God's Word this morning, I want to just share with you a general outline of how we see John lay out these 13 verses. He starts with a greeting in verses 1 through 3. Then verses 4 through 6, he talks about the love commandment. Verses 7 through 11, he gives us another warning about false teachers. Remember, that is something that he combated all the way through the book of 1 John. And then finally, in verses 12 and 13, John concludes this particular book. So at this point, if you are physically able to stand, I'd like to invite you to stand with us right now to honor the reading of God's Word. And I do want to remind you, this is indeed the Word of God. The elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. Now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. 
Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word. And Father, now for the next few minutes, I pray that you will simply open ears to hear. I pray that you will open minds to understand and open hearts to receive your holy word. Father, I pray that you will hide me behind your cross. I pray that your anointing will be upon me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Father, may I preach Jesus and him crucified. May I point them directly to Christ and to the cross. And Father, I do pray for any who are hearing my voice right now that do not know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, may this be the day that we see you save people and set people free. May we see you break the chains that bind us, whatever those are. And may we see Jesus glorified in this place. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is this. It's just simply this. Love one another and walk in the truth. Love one another and walk in the truth. Now, you'll probably remember from the outline that I discussed just a few minutes ago that John begins this book with a greeting. And what a greeting that it is. What a greeting that he gives us here. He starts writing to the elect lady and, our, and her children. And he says he loves them in truth. And then he says, not only I, but also all who know the truth. So one of the things that we've got to address right at the very beginning this morning is who are these people? Who is the elect lady? Who are her children? Now, I'm going to tell you, we don't know for sure. Don't you like answers like that? We don't know for sure who the elect lady and her children are. It is very possible that it could have been an individual family that John knew. But however, when we look at especially the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John together, remember it's always important to look at Scripture as a whole. When we look at the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John together, Especially considering that third John, John is not bashful at all about mentioning names in that particular book. So with that in mind, it is likely, I think personally more likely, that John wrote this letter to a church, to a congregation. But here is what I want us to remember about this. Not knowing precisely who the recipients, the initial recipients of this letter were, it doesn't change the meaning of these 13 verses, not one bit. They are just as powerful whether he wrote this to an individual 
family, a lady and her children, or if he wrote it to a congregation. So that's what I want us to focus on, the meaning of these 13 verses. And we see in these verses that are on the screen right now that this relationship that John has with these people, it was founded on truth. And we need to realize this morning that truth is the basis for all true love. Remember what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except what? By me or through me. Jesus is the truth. The truth is eternal, church, and we must guard it carefully. And then finally, in this greeting, John wishes them grace. He wishes them mercy, and he wishes them peace. He says, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and in love. Can I tell you this morning, there is a vast difference between grace, mercy, and peace that I can individually offer you versus the grace, mercy, and peace that I can offer you in and through God and Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge us, I want to encourage us as we offer people grace, mercy, and peace. Let's offer them the kind that comes from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son. And let's do it in truth and in love. And as we look at verses 4 through 6, we are continuing on our outline this morning. We are going to see in these three verses that true believers, true followers of Christ, number one, they must walk in the truth. True believers, true followers of Christ, they must walk in the truth. And the second thing that they must do is that they must love one another. Now, I'm going to tell you, there is a big difference. There is a huge difference in hearing that and knowing that and actually doing it. Would we all agree on that? There is a huge difference between knowing something and actually putting it in practice. And church, I want to remind you this morning that as believers, as followers of Christ, we are expected to walk in the truth and we are expected to actually love one another. John tells us in verse 4, he says, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father I'm going to tell you that is a reason to rejoice. Can I tell you something this morning? Discipleship is so very important, church. Discipleship is so important. When we turn through the pages of our Bible, yes, we will find the word Christian a few times. But you know what we find a lot more than Christian? We find the word disciple. Remember in the Great Commission, Jesus tells us, go therefore and make what? Disciples. He doesn't say go therefore and make Christians 
of all nations. He says, go and make disciples. That is the expectation. That is what he expects me to do. That's what he expects you to do. If you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I've got to ask the question this morning, who are you discipling? Who are you walking by? Who are you pouring yourself into? You see, that's the expectation. That's what he expects us to do as true believers, as true followers of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, discipleship's not a program. It's not something you ever get finished with. You walk with somebody. You show them what it looks like to live a life that honors Christ in the good times and in the bad times and on every day in between those two points. You pour yourself into them. You show them when you make mistakes. And hopefully they will learn from that. And then you get to a point where that person is ready to take a person of their own and walk beside them. But guess what? It's not over for you. You then find someone else and start the process all over again. That is discipleship. And that is what is expected. That's what Christ expects from every true believer, every true follower of Him. And I've got to ask again, who are you personally walking beside right now? And I will tell you, if you've discipled someone ever, and it's been a while since you've seen them, and you come back into their presence, and you see that they are still indeed walking in the truth, it is an occasion to rejoice, and to rejoice greatly. Let's face it, Satan never takes a day off. Never. It's important that we walk with each other. Now, before we move off of verse 4, I want to just clear up one thing. You know, John points out here that he found some of your children walking in the truth. That doesn't necessarily mean that the rest of them were not. Perhaps John only saw part of the people. So again, it doesn't necessarily mean that some of them were walking in truth and some of them were not. Now in verse 5, John makes it clear that he is not talking about any type of new commandment, but it's one, it's an old one, and we are to love each other. We are to walk in that love. Now, maybe you are wondering, why would John spend so much of his writing time, basically the entire book of 1 John, and now we see it again here in the book of 2 John, why would John spend so much time talking about love? Yeah, I realize January's almost over, February is coming, February's Valentine's Day, but why does John spend so much of his time writing about love and the importance of it. Well, first of all, it's important. It is important that we realize the type of love that we are to have for each other. And then number two, humans need to be reminded, don't we? We need to be reminded of things from time to time. Remember what Jesus said. They will know that you are my disciples when if you have what for each other love if you have love for each other notice in that particular verse jesus does not say they'll know you're christians if you have love for each other he says they'll know you are my disciples you see we're talking about a relationship with jesus christ 
In verse 6, we see John describe love here. In a nutshell, the type of love that John is describing here, it's demonstrated through obedience. It is loving when you don't necessarily feel like loving. It is not just loving the people that you think love you back. It is loving those who might be a thorn in your flesh. It's loving when you don't necessarily want to. That's the type of obedience that John is describing here. And we are to walk into that. We are to practice that. And I've got to ask us a question. Are we doing that? Or do we just simply love the people that we find the very easiest to love? Now in verses 7 through 11... We're going to see that as true believers, as true followers of Christ, we've got a responsibility to protect the truth. Now, we, we've got to realize that there are people all around us today that do not have a relationship with Christ. Yes, right here in Greensburg, Kentucky, there are many people around us that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they don't, they don't have any problem telling you, no, I do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then there are others who will tell you, yes, I've got a relationship with Jesus, but they really don't have any intention of following any of his teachings that they might not personally agree with. I heard another pastor earlier in the week describe it like this. I want you to listen closely this morning as I describe this. He said, many people approach following Jesus as if Jesus had a social media account. That's how a lot of people approach following Jesus. You see, this man gave an example. He said, I've got a Twitter account, and now it's known as X. And one of the people he follows on Twitter is a neuroscientist that gives a lot of advice about eating healthy, about exercise. And this guy, this pastor that I heard tell this, he is really into fitness. And he said, you know, I agree with a good number of things that he posts. And I follow those things. But he says, I also see him post some other stuff that I don't necessarily agree with. And he went on to describe, he said, one of those things this neuroscientist had posted was under no circumstances should anybody ever consume a drop of coffee before 10 a.m. in the mornings. He said, I don't agree with that. I don't follow that. And you know, that's exactly how a lot of people try to follow Jesus. It's exactly how a lot of people try to follow Jesus. They want the part that makes him Savior that ensures that their eternity is in heaven. But they have absolutely no desire to deny themselves or take up their cross and follow Him. That's what He expects. He expects a true relationship with Him. He expects us to follow His teaching. He doesn't expect us to approach our relationship with Him as if it were an account on social media. May we never ever do that. Now in verse 7, John points out that many deceivers 
have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ. Remember, John has been dealing with false teachers and the effects that these people had had on the people who had heard. You've heard me say before that one of the impacts of false teaching always is that there will be somebody who will fall for it. You know, there are people today that will tell you something like this. Just go ahead and do it. Don't you think God will forgive you for it? Don't you think that God wants you to be happy? That's the conversation that some people who call themselves Christians will have with you. Let me tell you something this morning, church. God expects you to be holy. That's what He's concerned with, is your holiness. The world will tell you a lot of things that are not true. Do not be deceived, church. Get in this book and stay there. Stay there. Know what it says. Read it. Spend quality time with Christ daily. Do not be deceived by false teaching. You won't be if you know what this, if what this book says. You will not be deceived. But one reason that so many people are deceived today, they don't have any idea what this book says. And that is an absolute shame. It's just as applicable today as it's ever been. And by the way, it's completely applicable today, just as it was when it was written. Do we know what it says? Verse 8, John reminds us to watch yourselves. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for but may win a full reward. And I want to tell you this morning, just so nobody's confused with this verse, John is not by any stretch of the imagination here trying to suggest that you can lose your salvation. We know, we know, if you are truly saved, Satan is not strong enough to take your salvation away from you. He is not strong enough to do that. But if you are deceived by false teaching, if you spend time with your focus on someone other than Jesus Christ, it can definitely impact the reward that you will get once you get to heaven. Keep your eyes on Jesus, church. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Do not fall for false teaching. Now remember, in, in the book of 1 John, one of the things that John addressed throughout 1 John was the Antichrist. And then sometimes the plural form of that word, Antichrist. These people were going ahead. Their eyes were off of Jesus Christ. They were not continuing in the teachings of Jesus. I want to remind you this morning, church, that Scripture seeks those who learn and practice the true teachings of Christ, those who truly understand who Jesus Christ is. And I want you to know this morning, if you've got Jesus, guess who you've also got? God the Father. If you've got God the Father, guess who you've also got? Jesus Christ. And then you get somebody else in the mix too, the Holy Spirit that lives in you. He lives in you. You cannot separate the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are present inside the life of every true believer. 
Now, verses 10 and 11, when we look at them, when you just take them at face value, they seem very, very harsh. They seem very harsh. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. I want you to hear me this morning as I explain these two verses. You've heard me say so many times before that context is so very important. And this is just another example of how context is so Vital to our understanding of Scripture. In the first century, when John wrote this book, guess what? If you wanted to travel somewhere, you couldn't go to an airport and get on an airplane and fly somewhere. You also couldn't jump in a car and drive. Travel was difficult. It was difficult. Traveling teachers, traveling missionaries... They depended on other people to house them and to feed them, not only after they arrived at their destination, but also all along the way. That changes our understanding of what John is saying in these two verses. He's not telling us not to be hospitable to people. But what he is saying to do here is don't do anything that would enable the message of a false teacher. Don't do anything that would enable the message of a false teacher. And church, I'm going to say that to you today. Don't do anything that would enable the message of a false teacher. And perhaps you're thinking, I would never do that. I would never do that. I want to remind you of something. I think I have shared this one other time here. A long, long time ago, there was somebody that I thought a lot of at the time that made a horrible decision. And I was so upset about it. It made Christianity look bad. It was like one of those situations, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want anything of it. I could not be a Christian and be as morally good as that person. It was one of those types of of situation, and I was so upset about that, and I talked to my pastor at the time about it. I said, I am so upset. I cannot believe that they did that. And then I said, I, I would never do anything like that. And he stopped me right there, and he said, Todd, be careful when you say I'll never. Because he said, it's been my experience Many times when somebody says, I'll never do that, they end up doing it or something very, very close. So guard yourselves. Watch yourselves. But maybe you're wondering, so how how could any of us enable a false teacher? I'm going to tell you, it's, it's very easy to do. All you have to do is not open your mouth. Listen to what I'm saying this morning, church. All you have to do is not open your mouth. If you're in the presence of somebody who's having one of these conversations like, don't you realize that times have changed? Don't you think Jesus wants you to be happy? If you stand there and you do not open your mouth, if you stand there and you do not defend the Word of God, your silence is giving your affirmation that you agree with them. Do not do anything to enable false teachers. Open your mouth. Defend Jesus Christ. Defend God's Word. 
That's what we are required to do. And finally, John gives us his greeting. And he says, I've got a lot. To, I'm going to paraphrase here. He says, I've got a lot to write to you, but it's so much. I don't want to use pen and paper, but I want to come and visit you face to face. I want to come and visit you face to face so that our joy may be complete. So that our joy may be complete. Can I tell you something this morning? Face-to-face is always better. Face-to-face is always better. We have fallen into this trap of, I'll send them a text. Well, you know, at times, that's sort of convenient, isn't it? But you know what you cannot always tell by text? The tone that it was written in. You have no idea the tone that it was written in. But if you're looking someone in the eye, if you're having a face-to-face conversation with them, it's much easier, isn't it? I want to tell you, face-to-face is always better. John is telling them, I've got so much more to tell you. I've got so much more I want to tell you, but I don't want to use the paper and ink. But I, I want to come, and then we'll talk. And the reason I want to do this is so... Our joy may be complete. As we look toward the invitation this morning, I'm going to ask you, is your joy complete this morning? Would you say that you have joy in your life? The joy unspeakable and full of glory. The old song, oh, the half has never yet been told. Do we have that joy unspeakable and full of glory inside us today? As we think about the invitation this morning, I want to ask you a question. Are we loving each other? Are we walking in the truth? Are we defending the Word of God? Or are we remaining silent because we don't want to upset anybody? Are we trying to somehow pick and choose which teachings of Jesus that you're going to personally accept for you and your family, as if Jesus had some type of social media account. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I'm going to tell you, as you've heard me say so many times before, if you're here or if you're hearing my voice this morning on the live stream and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to be very clear to say there is no worse problem than you, that you could possibly have today. That is your biggest problem, whether or not you realize it, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because what I can tell you with certainty, if your life ends today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your eternity will be in hell. It will not be with Jesus. Perhaps you're wondering, so how does someone receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I want you to know it truly is as easy as we teach children in Bible school, the ABCs of salvation. And I would be happy to talk to you about that. I would be happy to introduce you to Jesus Christ. I can guarantee you it would be the best decision that you have ever made. Now, is following Jesus easy? No, it's not. Always 
Is following Jesus worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're carrying some type of heavy burden. I want to encourage you this morning. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. He is the one that is sufficient to carry those burdens. This morning as we prepare to go into our time of invitation, I encourage you to come forward no matter what the need is. Jesus will meet you at the foot of the cross. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for this time that we've had in your word. Lord, I pray now as we go into this time of invitation, Lord, I pray that you will move freely. Father, may, may you save souls. May you set the captive free. May we freely lay burdens at your feet. Lord, I pray that you will do the exceedingly abundantly more than our minds can think, even to ask or imagine this morning. Father, for the things that you will do this morning in this place, we'll give Jesus Christ the praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray these things. Amen.